everybody. Welcome back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership Series. I'm Scott Miller, your host. And today our guest is Tom Rath, which in many cases is a household name in the business world. Most of you know Tom as the best-selling author of numerous books, including How Full Is Your Bucket? and Gallup's Now Discover Your Strengths. In fact, Tom is Amazon's number one best-selling nonfiction author of all time. Let that sit for a moment. Tom Rath is our guest today for his new book being released this week, Life's Great Question. Discover how you contribute to the world. Tom Rath, welcome to On Leadership. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Hey, Tom, great to have you here. Uh, loved this book, Life's Great Question. Obviously, I'm a fan of uh, How Full Is Your Bucket, a number one book, as well as a book we have to talk about for just a moment, right? You have a great legacy with the Gallup organization and the book Now Discover Your, or Discover Your Strengths, uh, originally uh, initiated by, I found out in your recent book, Don Clifton, who of course is your grandfather. Don Clifton is like Dr. Stephen Covey, right? Our co-founder, really one of the most instrumental minds in our generation around performance improvement. And in your grandfather's case, understanding, defining, and running with your strengths. I'd love to open the discussion with maybe a little bit of a, an ode to your grandfather, Don Clifton. What should everybody know about your grandfather who's passed now and the legacy that he will continue to leave throughout the reading generation? You know, it's, it's, it's a fun question and a good place to open this discussion because uh, one thing that Don came back from uh, World War II, he was a navigator and uh, he, he'd seen so much destruction there that as a budding psychologist at the University of Nebraska at the time, he was determined to build something around figuring out what was right with people. And so a lot of his earliest work started out trying to figure out how do you get the right people in the right job? So how can you really understand a person's talent to determine if they'd make a great teacher, a great salesperson? I've interviewed chefs and truck drivers when I was young as part of that. Um, and then over time, Don asked a lot bigger questions about how can we help millions of people to learn about and uncover their natural talents. And really just, I think the overarching learning from Don was to spend more time focusing on what's right with people. And the, the other big thing I learned from Don that really served as a basis for some of this new work is when I was a little kid, he'd always talked about uh, the greatest contribution that teachers can make is to ensure there's a teacher in every classroom who cares that every student thinks and feels and grows like a real human being. And that uh, he had a portrait about that in his uh, office and in his home that was titled Our Greatest Contribution. And so even from a very young age, when I was a kid growing up, I kind of learned and knew that life is supposed to be about what you contribute to other people. And so that's where most of my research and work has focused over the last few years. Tom, your grandfather passed the torch to you. You spent over a decade at Gallup as a researcher, deeply involved in the StrengthsFinder research, became the author of the book. Uh, it's not lost on anybody. Again, you are Amazon's number one nonfiction author of all time. And I set that up again because you decided your next book, your current book released this week, would be Life's Great Question. Talk to our listeners and our viewers around why this was your next big project and why you're so passionate about this topic. Yeah, you know, a lot of my inspiration for focusing on this topic, in addition to being a part of my upbringing with Don, was uh, 
you know, every time I see the quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and the exact quote is, uh, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? And that may sound like a, a grand question or more of an existential uh, thought, but for me, I've learned that if I ask myself that question almost every single day, it leads to a better day with more clarity and focus about working on things that can continue to grow in my absence. And it also leads to more enjoyable and less stressful days when you are essentially able to get over yourself, realize life's not about you, and focus on what you're giving back to the people you serve, the people you love, and your community. And so my overall intent with this new book, and it's kind of a book and a project with a, a website profile that I've worked on, is how do we get people orienting their entire day and their work around what they're doing that adds to the life of another person? And how can we frame a lot of our discussions that way? Because I think it makes work more enjoying, more enjoyable, more meaningful, and it focuses, focuses us on the right things instead of just looking inward about what we're getting out of a day or focusing inward on happiness, for example. Tom, like your work with The Strengths Finder, your book, Life's Great Question, involves and is centered around an assessment around your greatest contributions. You call it the Contribify Profile. And like the book at Gallup, it includes a code in the book that's custom for the purchaser. I imagine you can purchase the code without the book, but my book had a code in it. Uh, I want to talk about that because I actually took the profile. I received an advanced copy this week. But first, I want to talk a bit about some of the premises and insights of the book more than just the profile, one of which is the fact that great careers aren't linear. Expand on that for our listeners. Yeah, it's a good place to start with the discussion because, you know, in all my years of, one of the first things I worked on at Gallup was a program called Quest, where we were trying to help freshmen in college uncover what they were good at. And so I've spent a lot of time looking at how people discover and develop their talents and how they end up in different jobs in the work world. And I can't think of any area in life where there's more of a mismatch today in terms of the talents that people naturally have to contribute and the jobs that they end up in today. And I've, I've yet to meet anyone or interview a single person who just naturally landed in the perfect job right out of college and had a nice linear track of career growth. It just doesn't happen like that. When I talk to people, they usually start off in a place that sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not, and then there's some ups and downs, and uh, things rarely just go straight up in a predictable manner. And so I think we've got to step back and look at our contribution in our careers as more of a journey where we continue to learn a little bit more about how we can connect who we are and what we want to do and how we want to contribute to a given team or effort with the ways that that will have a meaningful influence on other people. You know, Tom, I think that you're a very soft-spoken individual, and I think that that thought is profound because uh, if you would have told me 30 years ago, Scott, you're going to become yourself a best-selling author, you'll be a chief marketing officer, you'll be an executive officer in a firm, you'll host a podcast, I would have, I would have had no path towards that, right? I was a stutterer. I was not an especially outgoing young man in you know, junior high school or such, right? And I wasn't, uh, wasn't great at a lot of things. 
And so I don't know how I got here exactly. A lot of hard work and a lot of people believing in me. I think the strengths finder helped me also to go with my strengths. David Covey, who was one of Dr. Covey's sons and one of my best leaders ever back in the early 2000s, gave me permission, if you will, to run with my strengths. You know, that book has permeated Franklin Covey's culture like thousands of organizations and liberated me not to focus on my weaknesses, not to neglect them, but to run with my strengths. And as I, I take the insight you just shared around kind of the expectedness of not having a linear path with an interview that I conducted recently with David Epstein, right? He wrote the book Range. And that book was prophetic in my own career because I'm not a specialist. I'm a generalist. And that discussion with David in the book Range really made me understand that through all of my 20s and 30s and 40s, all those skills that I was learning, that really kind of made me a bit insecure about my contribution. You know, the question at the cocktail party, what do you do? I don't know, I write, I speak, I manage, I lead, I analyze. I'm not an anesthesiologist. I'm not a dental hygienist. I don't know what I do, but it, something happened in my 50s where I became much more comfortable with this non-linear path. And I'll bet a lot of your readers will discover, kind of uncover that same validation. Yeah, you know, it's interesting for me to watch how uh, we often have this mythology in our head that if we just jump to another job, things will be better and we have to completely upset the apple cart to get on a better track. But it turns out that a lot of really good careers are kind of built within roles and within organizations by people who have figured out how to take the job they have and essentially craft that into one that really works for them and works for other people. It's, I think it almost goes without saying that over time, we need to figure out how to do our job in our own way. And if someone's, of course, if somebody's trying to force everybody to be identical and to do the job the same way, instead of holding them accountable for outcomes, that's hard to do. But in most cases, there's probably more potential for growth and freedom and meaningful work inside a job and inside an organization than any of us really consider, and we often take that for granted. I, um, one of the things I realized as I worked on this book is that we think in such traditional boxes because we haven't had better mechanisms. So I was uh, speaking with a CEO of a large software company a few weeks ago, and we were lamenting how you couldn't create something any more sterile and impersonal than a resume or a LinkedIn profile if you tried to design something to be unhuman almost. And that's a part of what I think we've all got to work to try and correct is how do we start having much more personal conversations about who we are, what are the big and important roles we play in life? What are the, as you talked about so eloquently, what are the formative life experiences that have shaped who you are? Because we need exposure to a lot of those experiences if we're going to continue to find a better track and trajectory for our careers. And so um, I'm really confident that with better information, with more human conversations and technology might help as well, I think we can create better matches between people and organizations and the jobs that we end up in by the time that uh, my kids are entering the work world 10 or 15 years from now, because we couldn't design a much less efficient mechanism than what we've got today. 
Tom, let's move into uh, the second part of the book, which really is the meat around the Contribify assessment. You have identified what you call the 12 contributions, and they're organized in a model around team contributions. Very quickly, your model has kind of three components with the team, create, relate, and operate. And within those three, if you will, components, there are 12 different contributions. Within Create, very quickly, you have initiating, challenging, teaching, and visioning. And within Relate, you have connecting, energizing, perceiving, and influencing. And then lastly, in the third component with the team contributions, Operate, you have organizing, achieving, adapting, and scaling. And as I bought the book, or had the book provided to me from your, your publisher, I took the quiz, went online, about 25 minutes, not so dissimilar to that of the strength finder in terms of its process. Of course, the science and the questions were different. And I got this sort of six or seven page assessment on what my greatest contributions can be. But you also asked some questions, which I didn't know why you were asking those. You asked me for my three most defining roles, my three miles, which is an acronym. We'll talk about that. And then what I saw as my three biggest strengths. And I'll tell you, my three biggest strengths weren't necessarily what maybe StrengthsFinder inform me they should be. Talk a bit about how you envision this Contribify assessment, and I'd love to have you maybe debrief mine during the uh, interview. Yeah, you know, what I was trying to do was really create a one-page baseball card about who a person is in terms of how they want to contribute to a given team. and what drives them as a person. If you think about, uh, you mentioned those roles. For me, the three roles I put in my Contribify profile are husband and father and researcher. When I really try and boil it down, and I realized as I got into this work that, you know, in, in the end of life, no one's going to come back and say, Tom was a vice president of sales or marketing. They're not going to say he had uh, 100,000 Twitter followers or sold this many books they'll talk about my role as a dad who was there for his kids. They'll talk about my relationship with my wife. They'll talk about some of the work that I've left behind and put out into the world. Um, and I think those are good reminders of why we do what we do. And it's a good anchoring place to start. It's a much better anchoring place to start than saying, I spent two years in a software development role at X company if you're getting to know people on a team. So at a high level, and we can get into each of the components, there are really two purposes to that Contribify profile, as I was calling it, and the inventory that people go through up front. The first purpose is to have a much more human picture of who you are so you know how you want to contribute to a given effort or a given team. The second purpose, and this is really how I hope groups will use it, is whenever you're forming a new team, I would hope that groups would sit around and say, Let's each go through this exercise with this team in mind and say how we want to contribute and then have a 15, 30 minute discussion about how each of us will contribute over the next six months to this team. I'm amazed and I do this myself all the time and have in the past where we get all excited about a new project team or a new topic and we just launch off in, a, in usually parallel directions because we form teams of like-minded people and we're all off to the races working essentially in the same regard instead of sitting around and saying, which one of us is going to own the uh, create piece and which one of us is going to own making sure we're relating to one another and getting to know one another better and 
which one of us is gonna own scaling and operating and getting things done? And so I, I hope it's a tool for kind of individual identity and discussion about contribution, but mostly for helping teams have better expectations up front and operate more efficiently on an ongoing basis. After having taken the uh, Contribify assessment, my advice to our listeners and viewers is read the first part of the book, you know, read up to page 50 carefully because although I read it, I read those first pages about a week before I took the assessment. And I think I would have been a little more deliberate around talking about my defining roles and my most influential life experiences because, for example, my defining roles that I wrote down were father, uh, provider, and guide. I didn't put a husband. I will horrify my wife. But I see myself as a provider to my wife as well and a guide to a lot of people. I, I kind of wish there were maybe one or two more because I would have put husband down. Is there any reason why you limit it to three? Is it for focus or efficiency? No. You know, I, I was trying to keep that one page, which I want to be the focus, pretty tight with some yeah. of these categories. But I think, um, I mean, my, my honestly, my plan here was to put an initial kind of beta 1.0 version out there of this profile that I hope I get feedback from people like you and say, I need three for my personal life and three for my work, or I need yeah. five total. And, oh, you should include this as well. And so we've essentially built that architecture to continue to add things to someone's profile, like when LinkedIn added publications or something so right. that right. all the things that people feel are most important, we can eventually build into this. So it becomes a more living, breathing and more human and personable version of the resume. So that's, that's a good thought. And I, you know, I think it was tough for me to stop at three, two. I wanted to add uh, writer and teacher and a few other things as well. Yeah. It wasn't frustrating for me. It just, uh, I, I wonder what the, what the, process was behind it. Let's move to the second part of the quote baseball card, if you will, which is an acronym you call MILES. That stands for Most Influential Life Experiences. Why is that so important to helping you kind of uncover your greatest contribution? Yeah, you know, as I got into this, I realized that we've done a pretty good job, most of us have, especially at least in the world that uh, you and I have probably run around in for a few decades of diagnosing ourselves and looking inward and studying personality and the like, but there really hasn't been a lot of exploration in the last few decades of uh, what, how we want to contribute from an interest standpoint. And there's been not, I would argue, very little work done on how we kind of put people through experimental life experiences that can be pretty formative. And so as I began to discuss this with different groups and teams and experts, it turned out that asking people about two or three of their most influential life experiences. So that's what the MILES stands for, is most influential life experiences, how those have shaped their career. And we also looked at, should we ask people just for positive experiences, negative experiences? And for the most part, they were more positive growth oriented experiences. But uh, we also interviewed some people who said, you know, here's something that was almost traumatic, but it really changed who I am. And it's important yeah. to why I do what I do and why it matters now. So. We told people to incorporate both of those, but to use examples they're comfortable talking about as a part of their narrative with the team, for example. In fact, Tom, something I've learned after talking with you both on and off the camera and having read the book, in the, the book you provide two codes, I think one for yourself and one for a friend or family member or colleague. I'm gonna go back in and actually do the assessment again because I think my big learning from having done the assessment was 
I should have taken a little more deliberation and time and thought through my uh, most influential life experiences. Because if I would have taken maybe 10 more minutes to think about it, I probably would have selected different ones. And I kind of want those on my baseball card because I'm going to keep this on my desk for the coming year or so and kind of ground back back to it. So uh, it's a lesson for everybody. When you come to that part of the assessment, think carefully. Don't be rushed. The assessment isn't timed. Is it, Tom? No, and I think it's it's important. To, I, I was kind of careful in the book, I think, to call it an inventory and not an assessment. An inventory. Thank it's, you. It's not a, I mean, I think people probably, people know me from working with StrengthsFinder and uh, other assessments and surveys and kind of quantitative tools at Gallup over the years. And yeah. that's not what I set out to put together for people here. This is more of, I was calling it an inventory because it's got some qualitative components. It has some questions about how you want to contribute, but it's yeah. it's trying to create more of a picture of who you are, a snapshot, as we've talked about. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, subtle but important difference. Uh, and then let's talk a bit about the next baseball card component you call strengths. And I wasn't quite sure when I was putting them in, is, is he going to use this against other people's strengths and then kind of tell me what those mean? But you just kind of, it was very straightforward, right? It was kind of a one-to-one. -one. I wrote them in and you put them on my baseball card. I'd forgotten that I put them in. I wrote my strengths and my own assessment as persuasion, communication, and execution. Talk about the value of having that in my inventory, if you will, as my strengths. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that I've learned from all of the research I've been a part of on strengths over the years is that, in my opinion, our natural talents are the single best starting point for exploring how we can make a bigger contribution to the world over time. So if someone has taken StrengthsFinder, for example, I think that's a really good place to start to say, where do I have the most potential for real growth and important substantive contribution over a lifetime. Um, if someone hasn't been through StrengthsFinder or another assessment that helped them to identify their strengths, just trying to put that into words and thinking that through for a bit can be helpful because all of us start at different points and places in terms of our ability to do things. And um, it's the thing that I take away from a lot of the strengths work personally is that um, to a great degree, it's just about maximizing your time. So if I spend all my time trying to be a little bit good at everything from a talent standpoint, it almost eliminates my chances of being great at anything. Right. So right. I hope people can kind of hone in and identify and start with some areas there that they feel confident where they can at least grow faster than most people. You know, Tom, it's a great insight. I hadn't thought about that. It's a, you know, a common term we hear around narrowing your focus, right? And, and, and uh, you know, good at the expense of great on our projects at work and such. But in our own skills and our own strengths, I think it's a great takeaway, which is really assess what are your strengths and how can you exponentiate those by focusing on those and not being a B at 10 things, but being an A plus at perhaps three strengths. Before I reveal my three according to you, inventories, um, my greatest contributions. What are yours? Can you share what your greatest contributions are? Yeah, you know, my greatest contributions all kind of fall in that create area. So um, it's the visioning and the initiating and the teaching, which fits pretty closely with what I spend a lot of my time doing. And it was a good, it was a good realization for me, frankly, that, you know, especially in a lot of this, 
inventory is about how do you want to spend your time today? And I think that's evolved for me over the last three to five years in particular, where um, I used to spend a lot of my time and be held responsible and accountable for operating, executing, getting a lot of things done. And um, I, I've had the opportunity to spend more time learning and thinking and creating and teaching recently. And by nature, that means I probably need to do a better job than I have in the last couple of years of surrounding myself with the right teams that complement and balance that out instead of, I, I, to be honest, I've spent a lot of time hanging out with kind of creative out there thinkers lately, and it'd be good to have a little more execution and grounding in some of that stuff. So that's, that's what I've learned as a product of some of these early iterations. Hey, there's hope for me yet because Tom Rath's greatest contributions are three in the create section and mine are two in the create section. So I feel a kindred spirit, although you're much smarter than I am. So my well, we greatest- talking about stuff. <laughs> my, Tom, my greatest contributions, according to the Contribuify inventory are initiating, challenging, and connecting. Initiating and challenging fall within the create segment and connecting falls within the relate segment. Um, analyze me for a bit and tell me how I can put these to greater use uh, for the great question, if you will. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Initiating is probably the um, very base element of any team effort. When I began to study this, you know, one thing I did, I went through and um, looked at thousands of Bureau of Labor Statistics job codes. And I essentially, this is kind of a good, important background. I Asked, hey, hey, hold on. That's extremely nerdy. I want you to repeat that. You just but, looked at how much data from the Bureau of Labor well, Statistics. I, I was just trying to answer one question. I was, the answer, question I was trying to answer is, you know, we do all this self-diagnostic stuff, but we don't really ask what the world needs. And I think what the world needs is a better place to start than starting with yourself. So, we, and so in answering the question, what does the world need from a contribution standpoint, I went through and said, where can I find a big list of all the stuff people actually get paid to do in the yeah. U.S. economy? Right. And so that's where I started with the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics databases. And I went through and coded everything in a spreadsheet and tried to figure out what are the 50 or 100 things that people get paid to do in America for the most part. And then I worked back from there to figure out where do we need people to make these substantive contributions. And that brings me back to initiating which that's really about being the fire starter and saying, how do we start something new? How do we get going? And if we didn't have people initiating, there really wouldn't be the need for the relationships and operation and the scaling and all the things that flow from there. Um, and then it's, I think it's, it's a unique pairing you talk about with challenging things because boy, is it important. I mean, some of us could just go initiate 10 projects tomorrow and not have someone next to us to say, hey, are we doing the right things or does this really matter? Yeah. And I, there's nothing I've learned to value more than having someone sitting next to me in my career who challenges my thinking and my assumptions. And at this age that I'm at now, a good day for me is when someone challenges one of my long-held beliefs and proves me wrong or I learn something that upends one of my long-held beliefs. And you mentioned that uh, David Epstein book range. I was a book where I that challenged a lot of my existing thinking, upended some right. assumptions, and right. feel like I learned a lot from that because he challenged me yeah. in a lot of those ways. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, obviously what you're doing right now and what I've watched you do so well over the years is 
bringing us together and connecting us and helping people to meet a new thought, meet a new person, form a new relationship. And I, that's the one kind of area of contribution I'd give anything to be really good at, but I'm not, and I'm not sure if I ever could be. I think it's. Uh, I think what I learned from the inventory. I, in fact, I'm actually going to take the quote baseball card. I'm going to tape it to my home office desk, because it's going to be instructive to how I spend my time over the next year or two as I'm authoring books and my role at Franklin Covey, because I think it's uh, it's it's instructive to how I build on my my strengths. Right? Is I, I'm going to be really more thoughtful around not trying to be all things to all people, not trying to do 10 things at B level, but really let my strengths and my contributions be my legacy, which is kind of the purpose of your book, right? Is you want people to become more clear, more self-aware on what is the biggest contribution they can make to their family, to their company, to their community, to their team. I'm guessing that's the big idea. That is. And I, I mean, one thing that I talk about early on in the book and um, have written about in much more depth recently in a, a new short story with Amazon called It's Not About You. That's the title of which I always wanted to use the title. It's not about you for a business book, but um, I knew that wouldn't go over well in the workplace. So this was turned into a separate story. Um, but when you realize it's not about you and you wake up each day and you're focusing on how you can apply your natural strengths to make a bigger contribution to the world. And then you realize that that contribution, if you do it well today, it gets to grow in your absence, whether you're off doing something very different five years from now or you're not around 35 years from now, the projects, the relationships you invest in, the organizations you contribute to, those get to live on. And it's, it's almost liberating when you start to think like that in terms of your daily efforts. And I would argue that it also creates more efficiency if you're contributing to things that can continue to experience meaningful growth and matter to other people in your absence. Tom, I think the timing of your book is extraordinary. I'm 51, and one of the lines in your book that hit me the most is, you know, at some point in your life, you become much more uh, thoughtful and wiser around what matters most, right? I mean, I am concerned about my social media. It's a, it is a vehicle for me and for the company. I'm concerned about my income, right? I'm a provider of four you know, hungry mouths at home, my wife and our three boys. And I'm less concerned about my title. I, as Once you become an EVP, you kind of don't care about it anymore because you attained it. But I think your book is going to hit a sweet spot with a massive number of people, both at my age, older and younger, that are thinking about contribution. At age 50, I tend to be less concerned about my income and my social media and my title and more about what is my legacy, right? What is my contribution? It's, I think it's going to hit a lot of people in a sweet spot. Why do you think contribution is such a, a timely topic right now? Because it, it is, and you've hit it right at the right time. You know, I, if you step back another level, my biggest observation in 20-plus years of working with organizations about how they can be more effective is that the typical relationship between a person and an organization um, today is pretty broken in terms of organizations have become very, very good at determining how much discretionary effort they're extracting from each person. But each of us as individuals, we usually don't even know if our lives are better off, if we're better 
moms and dads and spouses and friends because we're a part of this organization or another. Um, and in many cases, uh, a friend of mine who I've admired a lot, Jeff Pfeffer, published a book last year aptly titled Dying for a Paycheck. And a lot yeah. of typical contracts between people and employees are so bad, they're actually a detriment to people's physical health. And if, if you think about that for a minute, I think we have no choice but to build much stronger and healthier relationships between people and organizations. You mentioned early on uh, my grandfather, Don Clifton. One thing I loved he used to talk about is how do we get people done through work? And if, if you think mm. about that for a minute, that, I think that's we, we need to orient ourselves a little bit more toward how we're improving people's lives through work instead of just trying to determine how much productivity we can suck out of each person over a lifetime. And the good news is, I think there are a lot of very uh, proactive organizations who are ahead of the time and asking that question more and more in the last five or 10 years about how they're really improving employees' health and well-being. And I also have seen the generation entering the workforce today, they have a very different expectation about wanting to go to work for an organization that makes a meaningful difference in society. They don't want to go work for a tobacco company or a company that's doing damage to the environment or an organization where they can't see the positive influence of their mission and their work each day. And so my hope is that whether people read this book or use the Contribify website or not, that at least we could get a conversation going about how people over time can begin to connect more and more of their efforts and their work with the meaningful contribution it makes to society. Because I think that's a deeper and richer conversation than just asking yourself, how can I follow my passion in my work and life? I think if you say, uh, and Ben Horowitz, the founder of Andreessen Horowitz talked about this at an amazing uh, commencement speech at Columbia I watched a few years ago. He talked about, instead of following your passion, how can you follow your contribution over time? And I, I think that's a better question for people to anchor their careers around. Tom, in our final few moments, I'd love to have you just talk a bit about this uh, side Amazon project. Your book, Life's Great Question, comes out this week. I strongly encourage everybody to pick up a copy and also take the Contribify profile, the baseball card, as you mentioned. I am going to literally tape this to my desk and think about it. I'm going to retake it. You were gracious enough to provide two codes in the book, one for yourself and one for a family friend or colleague. I'm going to think more deliberately about my contribution and my defining moments. Talk a bit about your Amazon project you mentioned uh, uh, lightly a few minutes ago. Yeah, you know, as we were preparing to release the Life's Great Question book, we were uh, contacted by Amazon and had a conversation with some of the editors from Amazon's original story group. And they suggested that, you know, the core business book reader audience had, it really hasn't spent enough time uh, reading short story form, narrative form, and on Kindle. And so they asked me if I'd be willing to write a very personal, almost purely memoir-based version of this book that doesn't have all of the research and action and website integrated and all of those components that could be free to everyone who has a Prime membership, which I think is almost everyone in America at this point. Right. <laughs> um, so so we, put, we spent a few months putting together a uh, short story, it's about 10,000 words, probably takes people 30 minutes to read, and it should be free to anyone with an Amazon Prime account that essentially gets to the basic concepts that we've talked about today um, in, in a purely narrative and story-based form that I hope will uh, reach out to people who 
don't traditionally read business books or self-improvement type nonfiction and the like. So that'll be an interesting uh, experiment as well. Well, I, I will check that out. I'm fascinated by that. Uh, Tom Rath, thank you for joining us. I would wish you success with the book, but as Amazon's uh, author of the number one nonfiction book of all time, I don't think you're going to need it, but we're going to buy it for our team here at Thought Leadership at Franklin Covey. The book is Life's Great Question, Discover How You Contribute to the World by Tom Rath. Tom, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. It was a wonderful conversation. Yeah, great conversation. Check out the book, and we'll see you back here next week for On Leadership. If you're not subscribing, On Leadership is now the world's largest and fastest-growing weekly newsletter and podcast dedicated to the topic of leadership. We'd invite you to visit franklincovey.com. Click on the On Leadership tab, subscribe. comes out every Tuesday, like clockwork, with an interview just like the one today with Tom Rath, both in video and in audio downloadable uh, format on your favorite podcast channel. We invite you to rank it, rate it, review it, and invite all your family and friends to subscribe as well. And we'll see you back next week here for a new interview on leadership.